John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. We are pleased to be joined by John Lynch, general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. And first off, John, I think the big thing to open up with, congratulations on the contract extension for both you and Kyle Shanahan. Well-deserved. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, the, the ownership here, the, the York family, uh, led by, you know, Jed and, and his family have, have just been tremendous to us and given us every resource we've needed to, uh, to try to turn this into a championship, uh, organization. Uh, you know, we didn't reach our goal. Uh, we came close. We came minutes away and, uh, unfortunately didn't finish, but, uh, you know, happy to have that, uh, behind us and, um, have their support. Uh, that, that feels like Three years ago now in the COVID world, it just feels like every day is uh, is such an, a new experience. That, that honestly, as, as you said, that I had forgot about it. So it feels like a long time ago. Yeah. How how have you been able to get through? Because uh, again, there's been no year where there's been injuries to a team and to the league like this. Because I ch- I chart missed starts and all that stuff. I've been doing it since 2015. And literally, uh, missed starts are up like about 25 to 26% over most years. Yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, typically, John, I, I think people people feel that way. Gosh, we feel like I've, we've never been injured. And then you go check the numbers, and the numbers are about on par, and they average out over a season. This year is different. And I think it all um, goes to the fact that we just didn't have that off season. We didn't have that ability to callous the players uh, in in a football mode. I think they took, uh, you know, our players. I know did a tremendous job of working really hard. But it's different. It's different than being with your team, practicing football, um, you know. And then I was just talking with Bob Lang, uh, our PR uh, guy, before uh, we got on. And you know, you, you go back to our training camp. Everybody is used to going to camp with 90. We went with 70. Um, and then you have your PUP list. We, we went to camp with 62 guys, and then you're trying to callous your players in a hurry, and you're behind the eight ball from the beginning. And so you did – everyone, I think, has been doing the doing their best. Um, you know, the I guess the one consolation is everybody's in the same situation. Um, but as you know, you've been around this business for a long time. It's It's a lot of hard work. Um, but people in this business are creatures of habit, and this year has been totally different. You've, you've had to reimagine everything that you do, and so that's provided some challenges, but we're still playing football, and I feel incredibly thankful and blessed and that uh, that we can do that, make a living doing what we love, and, and in the process entertain some folks who, who needed it because the world uh, you know, had been – had been shut down, um, you know, for a long time. And I, I know that a lot of the fans um, have welcomed football back. Oh, no question about it. I mean, what's amazing, though, because, again, I mean, you got, you know, four teams that have just been absolutely battered by injuries. But the unusual thing about yours, they seem to be hitting in, you know, certain areas. Like, for example, started with wide receivers. Then, of course, it started on the, and then it went to the defensive line. Then it went to the secondary. Now it's in the running back core. I mean, uh, week in and week out, how do you scramble just to see what you can have available for Kyle to be able to play with? Well, you, you, you have to be, um, adaptable. You know, we talked about that a lot. 
um, with respect to COVID. It hadn't been COVID. It's just been the injuries um, that have have decimated. And you're right; they've they've come in bunches at at position groups and position groups that are they're all important. But you know, when you lose your receivers and then you lose your D linemen, um, you know, those are impact positions. Running back Raheem Mostert was playing so well, and then Jeff Wilson comes in and picks it up and is playing so well. Uh, fortunately, it's a position we were really deep at. We chose to keep five this year, and it's come in handy at the running back position. And, and you know, the running game is a big part of what we do, and so you got to have those guys. And fortunately, we've, uh, I give our, our personnel department, um, led by Adam Peters and Martin Mayhew, ran Carthon, an incredible, um, you know, debt of gratitude because they've done a tremendous job answering the call. And the league, I think they did a nice job of allowing for a 16-person practice squad to to give some flexibility in a different year. Of course, and that's the one thing that you have to deal with uh, more than anybody else is just all the protocol changes and all the changes like that, which makes it tough. Like, for example, you know, here it is now. It takes six days to go through COVID testing to be able to get anybody that you acquire onto your roster. So basically, it's like you'd like to work week by week, but in a lot of ways now, what you have to do is make a deal and make it work for the next week. Yeah, and and you have to work uh, for the most part. I mean, Seattle made a trade uh for Carlos Dunlap, but because of that COVID, you know, testing phase that you got to go through, um, the testing period, he won't, he won't be available for this week. We had the same thing go on with Jordan Willis, a young man who we acquired from the New York Jets. And so everybody's going through that, but really what it, what it, it means is there's a, a great uh, reliance on what you have internally because going and getting people from the outside, which you typically do to react to injuries and such, it's not as possible. You can't move as quick. And so you kind of have to think two steps ahead and uh, everyone's been trying to do their best. I, I will say the one thing I think people talk about, gosh, you got so many people on IR, um, you know, the, the, the different uh, variable this year, they allowed for that three week IR. So a lot of guys that never would have been put on IR have been put because it gives you a vehicle. All right, we can put him on IR, get him healthy in three weeks and then bring him back. And so the numbers are up on IR, but I, I do definitely think that injuries are up. Oh, no question about it. Uh, what do you feel about this division? Because, you know, you got four teams right now that started off the first three weeks as one of the fastest starting divisions in the league, and now here it is almost midseason, and everybody has a winning record. I think it's the best division in football, and uh, I, I don't think that's very debatable right now. I, I, it's just uh, there's quality throughout, um, and, uh, you know, it's it's everybody's playing, you know, at a high level. We started off very slow. We're starting to play the kind of football we expected to. The Rams have had a fantastic season. Um, you know, Arizona has uh, has really come together. And uh, I think the impressive part about what they've done, they've they've lost some people. And when you lose a Chandler Jones on defense and, and continue to forge ahead and, and play the type of defense they have, you're doing something. And then obviously Seattle – you know, has been atop the division most of the of, of the season and, and the entire season and, and playing really, really good football. So I think it's a, a very um, competitive division, uh, a lot of fun rivalries, um, you know, where everybody wants to beat 
um, you know, their opponent in those division games, but there's a healthy respect amongst every team. So it's a lot of good football being played in the NFC West right now. Yeah, no question. As you know, having played in Tampa and one of the best defenses in NFL history, how do you look at the game right now, the way it is, the way it's called? And, you know, we haven't seen numbers like this since the 1961 American Football League, and it doesn't seem to stop. I mean, the yards, the touchdowns, all those different things on offense, you know, continue to explode. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think, too, uh, a number of different things. Number one, there's just a lot of really bright minds. Uh, the technology allows people to watch film throughout the league, and so you see what people are doing at every level, and they implement it into their systems. Um, I think you're more so than, than I think when I played for sure, you're you're asked to defend every blade of grass and what i mean by that game used to be played in between the hashes and vertically and occasionally you'd get outside the numbers now you you know with these jet sweeps and you know everything motion flying every which way defenses are are required to play both vertically and horizontally and so they make you defend the entire field and so the premium for guys who can play in space uh, that's why uh, Jamal Adams is such a gifted football player because he can he can eat space in a hurry he can make tackles in space uh dre greenlaw does that extremely well for us um you know the defensive football is hard you got people moving in every direction you know and then i i think the other thing the rules uh for, for the health and safety you know i think a lot of the intimidation uh people used to <clears throat> You know, if they were going to go across the middle, they were going to pay a price, and and that was clean, it was legal, it was the way the game was played. But there's been a shift, and so there's not stuff put on film. You know, I remember Ronnie Lott used to tell me, you know, when I was at Stanford, you know, you put stuff on film so guys know they don't come in there for free. They're going to pay a price, and and that would last. You put a big hit on someone that would last for an entire year as people were watching film, and so that there was that intimidation factor that slowed people down. Now. I think offensive players know that they're protected, so they run full speed through through any you know group of players, and and so I think there's a number of factors that's leading to great offensive football, and defenses are trying to keep up, and it, but it's a it's a challenge. Yeah, and and finally, uh, what is it uh, like to be around Shan- the two generations of Shanahan's and see a running game that has been so far advanced? Now, like, like this year, I think there's been more copying of Kyle Shanahan's running offense with the motion and everything else. I mean, you see it all through the league, and of course, it's been you know it's amazing with uh, Mike and with Kyle how far ahead they've been in advancing the running game. Well, and I think the thing they've done, John, it's, uh, you know, sometimes Kyle and Mike McDaniel, those guys will, uh, talk about the illusion of complexity, you know, so I think, um, if, if you break it down, it's very much the same zone running scheme. We implement some gap stuff as well with pullers, but, um, it's really the, the basis, the foundation is that zone running scheme. Now we've put a lot of lipstick on it with all this motion going every direction and they do a tremendous job. Of, and that all that's trying to do is gain any advantage that we can. But the foundation's the same stuff that Mike was running years ago. And I think that's Kyle's advantage and his staff. They've, they've been coaching in this system for a long, long time, just like Pete, you know, in, in, in the style of defense that they play. I turn on the Seattle defense, and because Pete and Monty Kiffin have roots together, 
you know, I can sit there and figure out the gaps very easily because Pete's been majoring in that for a long time. And that's why Pete's been around, uh, some of the greatest defenses that's ever played. And, and, uh, you know, and, and obviously what they're doing up there, you know, with their offense this year with Russell, it's, uh, it's been phenomenal as well. Oh, it's going to be a great game coming up on Sunday. Sorry I'm not going to see you at the stadium and see you on the field, but uh, looking forward to being on the sidelines uh, from home and watching the game and getting on the broadcast. Hey, John Lynch, congratulations. Thanks, John. That's that's 2020, a sideline report from his <laughs> from his couch in his living room. Pretty but, much, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, always good talking with you, John. And, of course, uh, John Lynch, great to talk to him. Hey, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app, powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card, get some grades going. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. In the report card we get out each day, we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take social media comments and voices and attach grades to what's being said and what's being done. Even if the report card each day is Curtis Rogers. So, Curtis, what do we have? Well, John, let's get started with the move that was made yesterday by the Seahawks. Carlos Dunlap, who uh, has taken to social media a few times over the last couple days, uh, A, to express his discontent with Cincinnati, and yesterday, B, to express his happiness on getting traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Here's Dunlap in a video posted to his Instagram. I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous as but I'm excited as too. It's all up for here. It's all up for me now. Let's go. I get to play. Above all, I get to play. John, that sounds like somebody <laughs> that is just thrilled to be leaving the Bengals organization. How are we grading Carlos Dunlap? Uh, sounds like he's a happy camper. I'm going to give him a, uh, an A because, again, I think that uh, you know, even though he curses a lot, uh, that's okay. We're <laughs> li- we can live with that. But I think you have to give him an A because I think that you know he got his wish. He got out of there at a time that his, uh, we're really phasing him out. And so I think that's a great thing. Yeah, I'm going to give his reaction an A because it, it's similar to how a lot of other discontented players have have reacted to getting traded to the Seahawks. Just think of Jamal Adams a few months mm-hmm. ago, how he wanted to get out of the Jets organization so desperately, and then once he gets the news that he's on his way to Seattle, uh, he's in tears. He's beside himself, uh, just so excited to join the Seahawks. Uh, Jadevian Clowney, so excited to leave the Texans organization. He comes to Seattle a year ago. Uh, I believe he told John Schneider at one point, thanks for you know reinstilling my love for football. Uh, it just falls in line with what we've seen so often from guys across the NFL who have been so tired of their current situations. The Seahawks gladly taking them in. They will gladly uh, benefit from other teams' just mismanagement. So shout out to Carlos Dunlap. Also, John, on the report card on Sunday, the Falcons, who play tonight, uh, had a heartbreaking loss against the Detroit Lions. Could have been avoided, though, had Todd Gurley taken a knee prior to entering the end zone uh, with about a minute left in that game. It left Detroit with too much time, and the Falcons ended up losing that one to the Lions. Well, the game audio, Matt Ryan was mic'd up during that one, and this is him in the huddle prior to the play where Todd Gurley went into the end zone rather than taking a knee. Hey, don't score. Yeah, I would Don't score. Down. Don't score. Get the first, get the first, get down. He's giving this to Gurley. Gurley through the middle. They're going to let him score, and he went in. 
That's a big mistake by Todd Gurley. Lions are going to get it back. What a mental mistake by Todd Gurley. He clearly says, don't score, don't score. And what does Todd Gurley do? He scores. John, how are we grading the Falcons just just fumbling away another yeah. game. I mean, again, it's like uh, that's where the confusion is. It's like uh, if you're going to do something like that, maybe call a timeout and you know, explain something to him because, I mean, you can see the confusion hit him, and here he's running. He gets to the half-yard line, and then he stops, and then uh, basically he didn't stop well enough. It wasn't like he, he ran completely into the end zone, but he stopped right there, and then just he leaned forward and went into the end zone and got the, t- uh, you know, got the touchdown, and it gave the line too much time to be able to come back and get the victory. But again, if you're going to be Gurley, you've got to listen. If you're going to be Raheem Morris, you've got to try to make sure that things are spelled out a little bit better. And again, a timeout, I think, would have been totally necessary. So, I mean, this is another F. I mean, it's as bad as the, uh, because again, they lose, but it was as bad as trying to get the onside kick and having the coaches basically have the uh, players stay away from the football. Yeah, it just—it's a new way for the Falcons to lose a game. They have mm-hmm. done it so many different ways this season. They're good at it. Yeah, yeah, they're real good at it. And who knows what we're going to see tonight? I hope we see something uh, that we've never seen before because it's very possible they play the Panthers on Thursday night football tonight. Uh, yeah, Todd Gurley, you got to listen to your quarterback in that situation. Matt Ryan's been in that situation plenty of times, and he was pretty explicit in saying, "Don't score, don't score." What does Todd Gurley do? He scores F for Todd Gurley on that one. Uh, John, also on the report card, Luke Wilson, a favorite of 710. He he has no problem hopping on with any show at any time. You never know when he's going to pop up. Yesterday, he was on with Bob Dave and Moore. And, uh, you know, Luke, he had his rapport back when Danny used to host in the afternoons. Uh, Bob, you know, Bob and Danny, they're, they're different people, but... We love them all dearly. Luke Wilson uh, definitely made mention of that yesterday uh, when he was on with Bob, Dave, and Moore. I, just want to I hear. don't think the fans need to hear that. I think the fans need to hear. Let's hear about y'all's ratings, man. Is it up or down with Bob v. Danny? <laughs> wow. Man, how you guys doing? Up or down? Who do I got a rag on? You know, Dave and, and, and Jim over there are the consistent guys. So, Bob, if you guys are up, it's because of you. And if you're down... Well, there, we had this whole no, no sports and pandemic thing going on, so that kind of hit the entire radio industry. <laughs> so it's. A, I, is... I mean, I don't know, man. That sounds like an excuse right now. You're telling me the ratings are down? <laughs> How are we creating Luke Wilson calling out Bob? There, oh, it's great. I give him an A because he's just so good. Yeah. I mean, that's why I don't know how it's going to work out at the tight end position because if they're going to get Colby Parkinson on the roster, then something has to give, whether it's going to be uh, Luke Wilson or whether it's going to be uh, Jacob Hollister and all that stuff. And again, it's like I don't, I don't have a problem with Parkinson, uh, you know, kind of just getting a scholarship year because again, you know, it's like they they can get good play out of Wilson, they can get good play out of Hollister and all that stuff. But uh, you know, I, I'm going to give it an A because again, to come out of the box like that and just fire away, you got to love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Giving Luke Wilson an A on that one, uh, always good to you know keep people on their toes and, and keep people a little bit you know a little uncomfortable. Right, always right, right. makes them makes them aware of what's going on. Shout out to Luke Wilson. And finally, John, on the report card, um, some really cool stuff that Russell Wilson is doing with his wife, Sierra. They will open a free public charter school in Des Moines, Washington in 2020.
2021. Uh, so that's just south of here around Federal Way. Uh, it'll be called the Why Not You Academy. Just a really cool thing that Russ and Sierra are doing. Uh, I believe LeBron James has opened one up in Akron, Ohio, his uh, hometown. So uh, Russ and Sierra doing something like that out here in this community. How are we grading uh, Russ and Sierra? No, we have to give them an A because, again, it's like they're so charitable. They're so good. They're so great for the community. I, I still would imagine he's probably still doing the children's hospital every Tuesday or so. I mean, you just got to love this. And, again, it's like uh, it's one thing to watch you know, a quarterback that is now on the verge of being a Hall of Famer, but also to be a Hall of Famer in being able to try to take care of people and do different things and set up all these different things. I mean, you have to give them both an A. Absolutely. Just a tremendous charitable effort on their part, uh, doing some great stuff in the community. They're very involved. They've got uh, their hands in a lot of different pots around town. You know, they're co-owners of the Sounders. Uh, He's been involved with the Arena Project in in Soto, and and now he's uh, doing all sorts of great stuff around the community. Just shout out to those two for uh, using their influence in such a positive, positive way in in a community that that needs stuff like that. So shout out to those two. That is it for today's report. Okay, and be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we are going to go on to Busy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. Text us, 710-710, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. We're taking them at 710-710. And so, uh, Curtis, what do we have? John, this is a good one from the 253 to lead it off. They want to know which newly traded pass rusher will have a better rest of the season with their new team Everson Griffin in Detroit or Carlos Dunlap with Seattle? I think it's going to be Carlos Dunlap because, uh, you know, you still have Matt Patricia coaching, and I know they've won two in a row and they're three and three and all that stuff, but they're not all that good, and they don't get many sacks anyways in Detroit. Where What you're looking at is that, uh, you know, there's a very – once they get through this – uh, five-game stretch, which is now game two of the five-game stretch, then they have a chance to take on some young quarterbacks that they can get some sacks on and all that stuff. So I think it's going to be Dunlap. This one from the 360, John, they want to know, any new news on a potential NFL playoff bubble? Uh, they don't want to do it. And if necessary, they'll do it. But uh, you know, if I think if it's going to be a playoff bubble, it would morally be a, a championship game, not necessarily the extra rounds of the playoffs. They don't want the bubble. I mean, again, they feel there's safety in the uh, in the homes and having safety, having you know, if you have to put them in a quarantine or whatever. But again, you can have the hotel as being the bubble that the team hotel is. And you know, even though the numbers seem to be concerning and all that stuff, it's still averaging only eight positive tests a week. And so uh, overall, I'd say no bubble. Four two five wants to know. This is Donovan from Linwood. He asks, "How much longer do you see Bill Belichick coaching New England?" Uh, probably four years or so. I think that he, like Pete Carroll, is going to go into his seventies coaching. I think that's just what he likes to do, and I think that uh, why not? He's good enough to still be able to do it. This one from the four two five. They say, "Good morning, Professor." With the NFL trending towards hiring younger and offensive-minded head coaches. 
Do you think Carolina's Joe Brady and Buffalo's Brian Dable are likely to be head coaches next year? I think there's a very good chance of that, yeah. I think that, uh, and then you have to throw in Arthur Smith, the uh, offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. I think those are the three rising names right now. And, you know, just totaling it up is that, uh, you know, and so one of the problems is you don't have a lot of guys that are calling plays. For example, uh, you know, when uh, Adam Gaze, they started the season, there was 14 head coaches that were calling plays, right? And then, of course, Bill O'Brien gets fired. Adam Gaze gives up play calling a week ago. So now you're down to 12. But that means that uh, there's only 20, 20 uh, guys in the league right now that are out there calling plays. And so that makes it tough. And so, you know, that limits the number of guys can do it, but that's what people want. I mean, the owners want to have offensive head coaches that can call plays. This one from the 253. They want to know any team having interest in Mohamed Sanu. Um, well, not now. I mean, again, it's like uh, he's on the street. And so what will happen is that if anybody wants to sign him, because San Francisco cut him once they got Debo Samuel back, and so I'm sure that there's going to be interest, uh, but he's going to have to go on somebody's practice squad for a week or two before he gets a chance to get back in. But there's no trade market because, again, he's cut. Yeah, the Patriots moved on from him. The 49ers moved on from him. It's been a rough uh, 12 months for Mohamed Sanu just trying to find a, an NFL home. This one from, interesting question, from the 253. Who is the best center in Seahawks history? Oh, boy. Would you, I would say Bush. I mean, because I think that uh, you go back into history and that, and I think that, uh, you know, he, he was just so good and, uh, you know, so solid for so many years. Max Unger, where would you put him on that list? Uh, pretty good. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I'd probably put him second. Because, you know, he Pro Bowl caliber center, uh, had a good long career after he even left Seattle going to New Orleans. Yeah, I'd probably put him number two. Does does Kevin Mawai get credit oh, for what wait, he did that's, past that's Seattle? Right. Yeah, what's that? No, you got to give it to Kevin. Hall of Famer. Yeah, so my bad. Yeah, Mawai went to the Hall of Fame, was a draft choice here. Now he would have to be because, again, it's like, you know, Bush didn't make the Hall of Fame. Nobody else did, but Kevin Mawai did. Uh, this one from the 360. They want to know... Professor, could the Seahawks go after Dallas's Alden Smith? They could. I think they should. I think that uh, you know he can certainly fit under the cap because it's on a one-year, two-point-five million-dollar contract, and I don't think it's going to cost you know too much. I think uh, you know maybe it would have to be a sixth-round pick in 2022 because they only have five picks left. But I'd strongly consider it. Four two five wants to know, John. Do you think the Dolphins were premature? In benching Ryan Fitzpatrick with their challenging schedule ahead, I think it's very yeah. Because again, it's like uh, here they are three and three. Uh, you know, they go against Arizona, they go against the Rams, and if they go to three and five, and particularly with some of the offensive line issues that they have, I mean that could cause some problems. It's also going to cause a problem, you know, for the offensive line because you have to readjust because you know two is the only left-handed quarterback we've seen now in the last several years, and so uh, you know now your right tackle has to be protecting your blind side and he right now is their weakest link on the offensive line another 425 number wants to know john do you think philip rivers is back with indy next year or could they go to someone else mm, debatable i think that uh yeah i think he should be back i think they'd like him to come back but uh, it's still to be determined if he can come back uh you know think how this season plays out i mean it's been shaky at times with his two losses and you're starting to think up oh, looks like the end but he is four and two and right now still in a spot to get into the playoffs and i think he should come back this one comes to us from 
Uh, let's see. From the 253, they want to know who has a better chance of playing Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, or neither. I would say Carlos Hyde. I mean, it's a tight hamstring, uh, but it's not necessarily a pulled hamstring that we know of. He didn't practice yesterday. You'll find a little bit more out today. But I think uh, you know Hyde has the better chance of the two. This one comes to us from the 503. They want to know, John, since he has an option for next season, do you anticipate Carlos Dunlap to be more than just a one-year rental? Hmm... Still, I think it's probably more of a one-year rental than it is anything else. I mean, he is, he's going to be a little bit older, and that's going to be a tighter cap number and all that stuff. So uh, I think, uh, again, at least it gives the option that if they want him and you know they don't want to go out and get much more in free agency and all that stuff. So it, it, I'd say right now it's probably going to be more just the one-year rental, but uh, still to be determined. This one from the 253 wants to know, what do you give the percentage chance of Jamal Adams playing on Sunday? Uh, I'd say... 40%, I guess we'll see today, because again, what it comes down to was the illness or was it the groin that was the reason he didn't practice yesterday? And again, understand when you say illness, like let's say, for example, you got sniffles or anything like that, they're not going to let you, you're not going to let you practice. You know, they want to make sure that, uh, you know, even though he's um, he hasn't tested positive for COVID, because we know they test every day and he's not going on the COVID's list. But again, if you've got a little bit of a, a malady as far as uh, a cold or something like that, then they just kind of say, Okay, just go home. This one from the 425. They want to know, John, of these two receivers, which one do you think is going to have the better week? Brandon Ayuk for San Francisco or Cooper Cup for the Rams? Mm, I kind of lean toward Cooper Cup. I mean, I think that uh, this is a favorable matchup, so I would go with Cooper Cup. This one from another 425 number. They want to know who in the running back rotation goes when Rashad Penny comes back. Mm, I think it probably might be DJ Dallas. I mean, it could be him. I mean, I know he's talented and all that stuff, but he was a lower round pick, and so something has to give. So uh, I'd have to say it might be him. 916 wants to know, John, how do you think Snacks Harrison will perform in his Seattle debut? I think he'll do well because, again, it's like a, this is a running team. you got to test his running ability. You know, they, they do have the ability to uh, you know, do some things in the middle of the field. I, I, th- I think it's going to be okay. And then this one, John, from the 253, they want to know, do you think Cincinnati will deal John Ross before the deadline? I do. Yeah, I think that uh, they're, they're they're done with that, and I think there's enough interest in wide receivers that something will happen. So, again, it's probably not going to do net anything more than a seventh-round pick, but I would have to think John Ross is going to be traded. That is going to do it for text questions. Okay, and, of course, we're coming back with our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so, David, uh, ratings for the World Series came in. And I'm a little surprised because, again, you are talking the Los Angeles market. And you're talking, well, Tampa Bay is not a big market. uh, But, uh, you know, worst ratings, I guess, in baseball history. Or at least of, of you know, really a, a like twenty six percent drop or something like that compared to a year ago. Are, are you surprised? At least watching World Series history, uh, although game uh, game seven or game six did all right. Um, it, it's uh, I was kind of I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking it up for all sports and it, it's uh, remarkable how far down they've been. Mm-hmm. NFL has been down. Uh, you know, basketball was way down, and hockey wasn't 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 up uh, college football was down so ratings are are down in sports period 
Yeah, and of course, I know that the NFL experiences back in 2016, so much of that is so many people are watching the political things that are going on with the pre- presidential race. And so there was the expectations that from the NFL standpoint, their ratings were going to be down. You know, once the election's over, then I would imagine they're going to spike up, but that's not going to help baseball, hockey, or basketball. And basketball's ratings weren't good. Yeah, they were down all 40% or something like that. But, um, you know, it was interesting that Sunday Night Football, the Seahawks-Cardinals game, didn't didn't do well at all, uh, which was a surprise to me, although I know it was opposite a World Series game, which isn't normally a big deal, but uh, that, that game was off. It, it's uh, it's interesting that, that ratings have stayed down in all the sports. Yeah, it really has. And it's like, uh, and again, how much uh, do you contribute a lot of that to the election? Um... Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, you're not have, you don't have a debate every night, so I mean, it's not like there's there's constant other stuff to watch. I, I suppose you can contribute some of it to that. I'm I'm just really, to, to be honest with you, John, I figured with with so many people still kind of you know like me, sort of stuck at home, mm-hmm. that ratings would be up. So it's surprising to me that they're not. Yeah, it really does. I mean, that is that is kind of unusual, and of course, uh... but we will see. We'll see. You know, the election will be over in in less than a week, and we'll see if there's a a uh, a a a boost for the NFL at that point. Mm-hmm. And you'd have, to figure, football for that yeah, you'd have to figure there's going to be a boost. Yeah, you'd think so, but I mean, you know, who's gotten rich predicting what's going to be happening these days? <laughs> True. Uh, Good point. Right. It's hard to predict anything. I mean, it's just because, uh, again, it's such a different time uh, because it, just... it truly is. Uh, and, you know, you got the Thursday night game tonight, and, and um, you know, it's not a particularly sexy one. I don't know what that'll have to do with it. I mean, it's. It's interesting, you know, you talk about markets and, and, you know, for the NFL for years, I mean, it doesn't make any difference who's playing where. I mean, you don't need the big markets to be great. Uh, the NFL, what, lasted 30 years without a team even in, in Los Angeles. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not as much about that as, as we've talked about baseball and the other sports are. But, you know, in basketball, you had the L.A., you had the Lakers winning it. In baseball, you had the Dodgers winning it. So, you know, you had big markets represented. I understand Tampa's not, but... But L.A. certainly is, and so it's uh, it's a little bit surprising that we're with uh, fewer options for people, that ratings are down. Yeah, and we'll have to kind of study it and see it. But again, I think everybody's just so thankful there is sports. And, you know, as the NFL reaches the middle of the season, uh, what's your thoughts on how they've been able to handle everything with their protocols and the adjustments that they've made to be able to go seven weeks? And, you know, technically, at this stage, they've not lost a game. Right. I mean, they've done a very good job of, of managing it, uh, and, and that's not them. It's the, the teams get credit for most of that. Uh, the NFL had, had the advantage of watching everyone else kind of set up their stuff. So, you know, they were able to try and anticipate some things. I know they built in that, that week 18, which they may still need before all is said and done. But, uh, I would think that for the most part, very few exceptions, uh, things have, things have gone as well as they could possibly go considering how many guys on an NFL roster? How many how many people are involved with an NFL team? And you know, when you're traveling, all the, all those numbers. I mean, you know, you're not in a bubble. Uh, things can go wrong. And and for the NFL's credit, they've gone. I would say halfway through the season, quite well. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that uh, that's encouraging because again, you want everything to go as good as it possibly can. And uh, you know that that's gone well. And of course, now it's a matter that uh, you know I think that you know sometimes they've been a little overcautious, and particularly I know the general managers hate the idea that they have to wait uh, you know six days before they can get a player through COVID testing. But again, that's probably the wise thing to do. Well, and you know we'll obviously be keeping a very close eye on it the next couple of weeks because we're now at a point. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the virus, where it's now back to where it was in the spring, uh, in terms of the overall.
baseball, I guess, had going for them, even though baseball ran into some troubles, is they were they were functioning while uh, the and hockey for that matter too. And hockey had a perfect uh, score. I don't think anyone got it when they went in their bubble. But you know, the virus was was kind of uh, was down compared to what it is now. So it's really an extra challenge for the National Football League and for college football, neither of whom uh, live in a bubble that uh, that they're going to try and keep going here as as. We're seeing numbers for uh, COVID nineteen spike everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, and how optimistic are you for the Pac twelve and uh, you know the Big Ten now that the Big Ten's about ready to start? It's hard to be optimistic, John. I mean, it's uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm optimistic in nature, and you hope things will go well. But you know, Nebraska's game was already uh, canceled this week. They tried to to do a to, to fit in another one. You've you've had a, a the SEC has kept playing, but they've had they've had a bunch of uh, cancellations and things like that too. So. And that's again, as, as as we point out, really the last week or two, uh, everything has kind of spiked. So uh, we shall see. Uh, I mean, I, I think that considering that, that that the trend is going the wrong way, it's going to be an extra big challenge for these sports who, again, are not operating in a bubble to get through. So I'm I'm hopeful. You know, I'm I'm, I'm hoping for the best. But um, you know, it's it's uh, these particular days, it's, it's getting harder and harder to be optimistic. Yeah, no doubt. It's because uh, again, it's like you know, there's less control in college than there is in the NFL. And it's funny because I was you know working on some you know database stuff on COVID and all that stuff. And you know, as bad as it seems that you know with the ten- the Tennessee situation and all that, there still is you know they're only averaging about eight positive tests. Now again, what happens is guys go on the COVID list. Like for example, Will Henderson. Giants uh, guard, he ended up having a positive test, and so now he, uh, the the entire offensive line had to be at least quarantined for five days. They should be able to play like we saw with the Raiders, but it's like they may be on the quarant- uh, to test list, but only one did test. And the, the Chargers right now are going through it because an offensive line, Ryan Groy, he test, it tested positive. And it just seems likely that, 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 that you're going to have more positive tests coming, and you know, again, the NFL, like we, we talked about, much more so than the colleges who are much more concerned about. Uh, the NFL has um, a lot of protocols in place, uh, the, the very best of uh, uh, that money can buy in terms of everything. We all got a really good look at that during uh, during um, the hard knocks this year of, of what they, the two L.A. teams, for example, which are probably good examples, teams are doing on a daily basis to, to try to mitigate this. But you're right, in college they can't have the same sort of mitigation. So. I guess I would color myself concerned with with, uh, with the virus spiking in these next couple of weeks, and these next couple of weeks will probably tell a pretty a pretty pretty good tale as to whether or not uh, things are going to be able to, to go through to where they'd like to finish in terms of football. Oh, no doubt. And of course, uh, you know, how do you look at the way the SEC has been able to operate along with the ACC? I mean, you know, the SEC in particular, like we've talked about. I mean, uh, Luce, uh, Luce Saban, uh, Nick Saban tested positive. We've had teams test positive. We have Florida Georgia game postponed i mean they, they've they've kept it going but um in, in the face of in the face of more and more positive tests uh it, it's getting more and more difficult so um so far so good uh, would knock on wood and and cross your fingers that that it continue to be good but it's um it feels to me like it's a little tenuous at this point, and in the next couple of weeks is going to be pretty critical. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, of course, what's critical is that we have our daily dose of the Gras. With Dave uh-huh. Grosby, David, I thank you so much. John, we'll talk again tomorrow. Thank right. you, buddy. Sounds good. And, of course, I'll be back tomorrow at 10. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.